video is one of the hottest trends in marketing right now, and it's easy to see why. Last year, 4.6 billion video ads were watched online, and those same videos produced 1,200% more shares than text and images combined on social media. But video is much more than just a tactic. In this podcast, I discuss how video is the ideal medium to deliver your brand message. Why is it that your business does what it does? I'm Jared Doyle, and this is The Fractal Podcast, where I bring you marketing experts from around the world to help you advance your business. Let's get into today's episode, talking about video marketing. So welcome to this week's episode, and this week we are joined by Amir Bazrafshan from Apricot Video Marketing all the way over in the UK. Welcome, Amir, to the show. Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. So, so as a dual citizen, I am glad to have every uh, British person I can on the show. I lived in Britain for 10 years, so it's great to have somebody from the other side of the world sharing their insights. And this week, we're going to be talking about video marketing, which is near and dear to my heart and is one of the trending topics for all forms of online marketing, um, but also marketing in general. So this should be a fantastic episode to help you help your business utilize this new form of video marketing, which I'm going to be honest, is probably quite daunting when you get started. But hopefully at the end of this podcast, Amir is going to be able to share some insights for us, which makes it seem a little bit less daunting. So I'm going to jump straight <laughs> in with the um, with the first question and the same question I asked every week. And I think it's going to be a bit different for Amir. What we're focused on here is trying to understand if there's any kind of competitive advantage or difference that a founder of a small startup company can bring to video marketing to compete with big businesses. Because obviously we've got massive differences in budgets here. So what can a, a small business or a founder of a small business do to possibly compete with the kind of budgets that a large organization might have, Amir? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good a really good question. And I think what it comes down to, well, it comes down to a few different things. And first of all, um, I think it comes down to the ability to humanize yourself and what it is that you're doing as a, as a startup as a new company and, and and the ability then to get that out at scale at zero cost i.e uploading it to your website uploading it to uh, to youtube and, and and being able to measure the uh, the impact of those videos against um you know what the competitors are are, are actually doing as well right so humanizing it and being real is is one competitive advantage do you, do you look at this and think there's a minimum level of equipment or production that someone needs to do? Or does it depend on, I guess, on the, the company and what you're trying to portray in your video? Yeah, I think, I think there is like a, a critical mass, shall we say, of, uh, of uh, quality that you need. I think because we're all so used to HD, even 4K on our mobile phones now, there does need to be a basic level of production quality. But, you know, I'm, although I run a, a video agency, I'm not, a an equipment snob yep. uh, and i think it's absolutely fine to to use your mobile phone as long as the sound is pretty decent so you're not like outside where the wind's blowing people have got to be able to hear you and actually sound is like one of the unsung heroes of good quality video so if you're in a quiet room or even if you're wearing um headphones that have got a microphone microphone attached to it and if you want to create some uh, some social video for example that's a really good way just to just to get started 
and like I said, it really it puts a personality to to the brand, and it puts a face to uh, to the website to the proposition. And let's not forget, you know, people people buy from people from human beings, even in like a B two B context. It's still people within those businesses that are, that are buying. And I think that just doing, you know, obviously there's lots of different kinds of videos that you can create, but just doing those simple kinds of videos can uh, really help to, 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 to give you the edge, especially when you're just starting out. If you don't have big budgets to invest in your marketing, it can really, it can really help you to make the connection to the people that, that matter, that, that can then they can help to amplify your your message. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I um I often get a little bit frustrated when I see a small business website or an, and when I say small business, it's a business of one. And you see their website text often say, we do this and our company thinks this. And I stop and think to myself, it is just one person. Like I think own it, be who you are, be human, be real, because that's your competitive advantage. You're not a faceless large organization. You're a real person. So I guess in video, that's that chance to bring that personality forward and and not hide who you actually are behind, you know, the idea of it being a big corporate production. So I think that's really good advice. Now, the other thing you mentioned there was just around the different types of videos. So obviously there's a lot of different types of videos. What springs to mind is the idea of like the first video, which is often the explainer video. And then of course you've got I'm trying to think of the other kinds of videos you've got. Maybe you could, maybe you can jump in and save me and tell me the different kinds of videos that, that people are producing now. <laughs> no, I, I quite like you uh, struggling to think of them, to be honest with you. No. <laughs> so, so to, to think, I think the best way to think about types of video, and when we're talking about types of video, we're, we're talking tactically. Mm-hmm. And I'm always careful to talk about tactics because tactics will only work in relation to a specific strategy. But for now, I'll I'll kind of put that to to one side, and I'll answer the question. So, if we look at a funnel approach to to marketing, you've got the top, middle, and the uh, the bottom of the funnel. So, if we're looking at the top of the funnel, we're looking at uh, awareness. So, social video is good for for awareness. You've got content that is native to um to youtube so i think youtube is a good platform but i think it has its purpose and it shouldn't be the automatic go-to place for uploading all of your video content it can actually work against you in some ways which you can address a little bit later in the chat so i think youtube is good for uh, i would say brand hero content stuff that's likely to be uh, watched for entertainment purposes or shared and educational content as well even video even video blogs would be suited for, for for YouTube, right, and and where does I was going to say where, where does Facebook sit alongside YouTube? It's, it's it's you know could be the same audience, but it's a very different medium, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a different medium, and each platform will have a different psychology. So people go on for different things, and you sort of have to address that within the design of the video that you're kind of uploading to the um, to the platform. So. When people go on to Facebook, they're not specifically going on to watch a video. You have to bear that in mind. Yeah. When people go on to YouTube, that's exactly what they're trying to do, right? That's that's their their objective. So it makes it a little bit a little bit more straightforward. And do you think people on YouTube are generally looking for information? I mean, sometimes they are looking to be entertained, but sometimes they are actually specifically looking for specifically looking for information. Whereas I think Facebook, it's almost always just entertain me. I don't know if there's a big difference in the psyche between the two platforms, but um, at least that's my 
yeah. amateur interpretation of the way people use them. No, I think I think that's pretty right on. So if you look at what YouTube is, it's effectively a search engine for um, for video with some social elements tacked on, like likes and comments and stuff. It's not, I wouldn't call it a social platform first and foremost, it's a search engine. So what do we do when we go to a search engine like Google? We're, we're looking for something, we often have something that we're searching for, we have an issue that we want to solve, you know, a problem that we want to kind of overcome, and that's the, the primary tool that we use. And YouTube is no different. It's just a video form of that. So for example, you know, last year I had an injury doing jujitsu, a tour and adductor. So I went on to YouTube and looked for some exercises to do that can help that injury to to heal. I would not go onto Facebook <laughs> and look for a solution to my my groin injury. It just wouldn't happen. And and I think that's an important distinction because, like I said, when you're thinking very tactically about okay, so what videos are we making for which platforms? you've got to bear that in mind right? if you want to create optimal video content. Yeah, and I, and I know I distracted the conversation and led us off on a little tangent there, but we were talking about uh, attention, you know, the, sort of the funnel. And so in some yeah. ways, Facebook is great for that attention because people are there saying, hey, entertain me, give me something that's flashy, that's gimmicky, that's exciting. So if I'm going to produce yeah. an attention video, Facebook is probably not a bad platform for that. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the sure. slightly further down, YouTube's a bit more about you know, fact, it's about satisfying a problem and a curiosity and you're, and you're naturally further down that, that buying funnel. So different platforms. Slight, different slightly platforms. more. Yeah. I'd, I'd still say, I'd still, I'd still argue that YouTube was top of the funnel mm -hmm. because what we want to be doing further down the funnel, typically, and I can't speak for every kind of business, but typically we want people to be going on our website because we want a conversion, be it an inquiry, a sale, a subscription, something, right? So we have to be able to draw people, give people the reason to go to, to the website. So good quality middle of the funnel content, which is sort of the consideration stage, right? So people have done some, they've done some homework, they've done some research, they understand what their problem is, and they're looking at solutions now. And I think really good quality case study videos, um, not testimonials, but case case studies. Are, are really good assets to to invest in, even if you're going to do them yourself. I mean, I, I, you know, I want to make sure that what we talk about on this podcast is applicable to everyone that's that's listening. And I know that not everyone has budgets, but you can you can do them yourself so long as you get the structure right. And I think the benefit of doing a good quality case study is that it it can sort of be like a, a bit of a magic trick yep. <laughs> in that if you if you do it well you can actually create a rapport between the subject of the case study which would be a client that you've serviced really really well and they're happy with you and you've, they've got a good story to tell and the person watching it so what you, that's 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 sort of the objective what you want to to do is make people feel safe that oh somebody like me has had a similar problem and they've had an awesome result by using this particular you know, this particular business or this particular product or, or service. And that's sort of the crux of the case study video. Yeah. And it's, you can't, yeah. I was going to say it's, I think it's much more compelling using video as a medium for that because if, you know, the typical case study is the, you know, two or three pages of stats and, and long text on a page or, you know, scrolling page, multiple pages videos. I think one of the advantages of videos is so passive one 
And two, the other one is you can just put so much information into a video without overloading somebody. So you can just deliver a lot more content. So I'm guessing that's probably one of the main reasons why video is so popular right now. Well, maybe they're the two main reasons. Do you sort of agree with that or am I, or am I a million miles off there with why videos may be working? No, no. I think so. I've, I've read and, you know, in the early days of Apricot, I will hold my hand up and say I did a paper based PDF case study. Yep. <laughs> And I think, you know, I think it comes down to what we're trying to do. So, you know, what's it for? And what we're trying to do is fundamentally persuade people that we're the best solution to their problem. And if we're in the game of persuasion, stats on, and data isn't persuasive. It's very logical and, and very rational. And what what is persuasive are stories and emotions, right? And that's the edge, the clear advantage that a good quality video has because you can stir up emotions, you can create a rapport literally within a few seconds if, if it's done correctly. You really, really can. It can be very compelling. Whereas if you're using something more data-driven, it has its place in the sales cycle, but it's, it's, more, it's more to justify People use logic to justify an emotional decision. And sales, all sales, is em- em- emotional. It's so true, isn't it? It's, it's a post-rationalization. Oh, I purchased that car because of where I'm wearing that brand of shoes because of it's not. It was entirely driven by the gut, not the head. And, <laughs> and then I just want right. to pretend like right. I'm a rational beast when in reality, I'm entirely emotional with my purchase decisions. Yeah. I, I must say, totally. I, I saw um, there's a new Nike ad at the moment around uh, women in sport. And I think it's Serena Williams yeah. does the voiceover yeah. for it. And I must have mm. seen it shared 10 times now on my social media, like on Facebook, my personal Facebook page. And you can just see people's comments. It's like, I was crying halfway through it. You know, this is it, you know, and people just making those comments. And and I watched it and I thought, yeah, like it's emotional right from the start. Like they absolutely nail it. And you think, yeah, that's exactly what you just expressed. It's emotion. It's a great story. It aligns with the brand, obviously, but the predisposition to purchasing a particular brand of shoes can be made at that point. There's no point where Nike sat there and spoke about, you know, yeah, they also stop your shoes from rubbing on the hard tennis court floor. Yeah, that wasn't mentioned. There was no performance. There was no, you know, they've even dropped the whole Nike Air and, you know, all the springs. It's now just entirely emotionally led. How, how as a founder or someone who maybe doesn't have that artistic bone in their body so you know i can watch a great ad like that and go that was amazing i don't really consider myself an artist in that sense what's the best way to actually go about building that emotion are there courses are i mean obviously they could hire you at apricot and you could do it for them but are there other other maybe little hacks or courses and things people could do to maybe get a little bit smarter of that kind of emotional storytelling yeah so i'd always have tell people to avoid hacks because I, 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 don't, I don't believe in them myself. I think, I think I'm glad you brought up Nike because they are, um, well, the agencies that produce those videos are just fantastic and they're so, so consistent with the quality and also the impact of the videos as, as well. I, th- I think they're absolutely fantastic. The thing about those videos and we can actually, no matter what business we're in, we can actually learn from them. The thing about those videos is they're so on brand mm. and they, they're, they're all, they're all, so Nike's mission is to inspire athletes, uh, all athletes around the world 
and they define athlete as if you have a body, then you're an athlete, right? So that's what they're trying to it's, do. It's a great total addressable market. If you have a body, you're part of our target market. <laughs> yeah. Everyone yeah. is our market. Right, right. And it's it's their why that, that comes through their imagery, their videos, even in the innovation in, in the products. And I don't know if you've read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. No, I haven't, but I can, but, I can um, add that. Yeah, it, it was one of the best books that I've read in the last couple of years. I read it last year, and it's it blew me away. And you just understand that the guy that started the company to sell, I mean, let's be honest, they're a commodity. Mm. Because you can buy you can buy them from you know you can buy them from supermarkets now different 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 running shoes. He was on a mission, and he really believed he was on he had a purpose and he really believed in it. So, to any founder like listening to this, even if you work in a really terse technical area, I'm not saying you, you should perhaps aim to create video content that's going to make people cry, but get. Go back to why you're starting, why you started what you started, and the mission that you're on. Find find your purpose, and then you create content that's in line with that. And I think the whole purpose-driven marketing, it's been misunderstood and treated terribly in the last, you know, 18 months or so with people like I know like the Gillette ad for example mm. is a really bad example actually it's a good example of bad <laughs> purpose marketing because someone would have sat down you know with the ad executive right, right we need to we need to do some purpose marketing um, and they've got it completely wrong what they need to do is go back to their roots really figure out their identity what it is that they stand for which equals their brand and create content that's tied directly into that and that within itself is a really strong differentiator when you're creating video content. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic breakdown of those Gillette ads. I, I, as a marketer, read lots of opinion pieces back and forth, but I think you've sort of succinctly explained why it grates people is because you look at it on one side, you go, it's a great ad and it is a great ad, but it's just, we don't believe that that's Gillette's purpose. That's not their mission. They weren't, the raises weren't created to kind of create a better man it was you know well i don't even know what their mission was but it definitely wasn't that because we kind of we saw the gillette ads from the last 20 years and that's not what they were (laughs) that wasn't the the position they were taking so yeah you don't get to turn around and change your your views straight away so it's interesting no no and i think kind of a larger part a larger comment to make on gillette you know from two guys which have you know facial hair (laughs) (laughs) if we don't (laughs) If we can't say what a brand like Gillette's um, purpose or mission is, then they're not marketing well enough. And we should be able to, even though I don't, you know, I don't use Gillette's razors. I've seen, you know, I'm on social media, uh, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, I watch TV. Their ads should be speaking that to us. It should be. We shouldn't not know. That's fantastic advice. The problem I've got now is I'm talking to you about this and I could absolutely, we could get into purpose and storytelling. And then I've just thought to myself, we're going to speak about video marketing. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a mental note. We're going to come back and we're going to do storytelling and we're going to run a whole podcast just on storytelling because I get the feeling we could go on that one for a while. So really get back okay. into to, to video and just in, and staying a little bit on course. I'm curious around LinkedIn's move into video and 
you know, obviously they've just added, well, recently they added video and it seems to be working quite well. So I'm keen, I guess the double question, one is how are you seeing that evolve and what are your thoughts on the new LinkedIn Live that apparently is coming out and how do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, well, again, it's it's a tactic and yeah, I think, well, it, it, you know, LinkedIn Video and LinkedIn Live, it's, it's, it's a tactic and I always think that there's a danger of being distracted by the newest tactics when it might not be on, on strategy. I think what I said earlier was tactics are only going to be useful within a specific strategy. And a, stra- a strategy is only good in relation to a specific goal. And it's, so it's the way that we structure, I, w- I will get back to LinkedIn, I promise you. But I, I need to kind of take a step back first to make it all make, make sense. <laughs> so I think what I've noticed uh, from, because we've worked with our fair share of, you know, startups and brand new companies over the years, is that a big, one of the big differences between startups, in my experience, and the bigger businesses is that um, startups are so busy starting up, you know, trying to get a critical mass of sales, you know, trying to do everything they can to promote themselves, that they forget to structure their work in terms of goal, which is the overarching thing, strategy, which is a broad approach, which if happens, increases their chances of hitting their goal. And then the tactics, which are the little steps that you take to, to kind of meet the strategy, which then helps you to get your goal. Now, if, if LinkedIn is going to be something, a platform where your audience are, that's going to help you execute and fulfill your strategy, then I think it's going to be a wonderful, a wonderful innovation and a wonderful development to the platform because, you know, it's B2B, it's, it gives you direct contact with people that can really help to influence in the buying process. You can network really well on there. And I think that it could be a really good move and to give the people that embrace that platform, that need that platform, the tools, again, to humanize themselves, to create that kind of rapport and to really develop the relationships in a very human human way. It's going to be utterly irrelevant to somebody that is strongly in a B2C place that's perhaps got an Amazon shop, perhaps they are selling on Facebook, on, on Instagram, on Shopify or whatever. And then obviously it's, it's, it's neither here nor there. But you just see the situation, it's, it's, it's very contextual. That's what I'm trying to say, because I don't want someone to listen and me, you know, me to say, oh, it's a great tool for someone that's going to be utterly irrelevant to, to go out and try it, because all they're doing then is wasting their valuable time on something that's just not going to give them any, um, any results. Yeah, fantastic advice. I, I look, I, I just couldn't agree more. I think it's a lot of the time when people or potential clients approach me and you know, they want some help, they're often approaching me with tactics so saying we just need that facebook trick or that linkedin trick and what can we do that's a little bit more and you just you sort of boil it down you you try to turn them around to seeing that it's about the overall strategy like what are you trying to achieve it's not just a couple of tricks on on instagram and then you, you kind of find out whether it's a you know for me i find out whether it's a client that i really want to work with if they're still hung up on the tips and the tricks then yeah that's probably not the the, the right person and i think it's interesting that that's your approach with video because i think video well, the way you're articulating it is perfect. It's video is a great medium to deliver personality, to deliver passion, create emotion, because because you can communicate so much information so quickly and it's so real. Do you imagine for most businesses, especially smaller businesses, that those videos are done 
you know, person talking to camera or do they actually try to sort of film things, film people, slide images in, in terms of like, you know, how a lot of small businesses are tackling this? Because I see a lot of businesses will do, you know, stock footage, stock video and try to include you know, incorporate that and try to piece it together and make a nice video? Or, or are you seeing that most success is coming from people keeping it real, using themselves and not trying to overproduce it? Yeah. So we're in the realm of presentation and style yeah. now. And that's, that's really something that it has to be, uh, you know, we, some of our clients do their own videos and we support them. And the thing we say to them is just keep it simple, keep it manageable. If it's a process that you're doing yourself, you've got to keep it Keep it really, really simple and something that's going to be sustainable, not just so, you know, if you do it, it absolutely knocks you out for a few Mm -hmm. days and then you're going to be put off doing it again. There's no hard and fast answer. I can't say that, yeah, you know, talking to camera is going to, you know, I I wish I could, but it's just, it's just such a, it's just such a nuanced space. You know, all of business is not just marketing or video marketing. And I think what people need to do is find a style that works for them, that they're comfortable with, and then experiment. You know, use that as a starting point and then experiment. And when, when, when you're looking at measuring video, view count is one of the least important metrics. It's never really a KPI. But what is important is the engagement that you're getting on the uh, on the video so you could try and experiment with a couple of types of video where perhaps you're using stock footage and a voiceover or maybe you are talking directly to camera and just experimenting with them over a course of you know two or three months both approaches are you know low cost both approaches are simple to, to to do and what you've got to do is like just really feel your way into it and just see where you're getting the biggest response. And then when, you, when you're getting something that works and then you double down on that. Makes a lot of sense. So if I'm, if I'm listening to this and I'm struggling a little bit and thinking, oh, this is still a bit too daunting, I think I definitely need to hire an expert. I need to speak to somebody who can help me out. Is there some questions that you can provide listeners with that they can ask someone who they're so basically they're looking to hire someone to help with their video marketing are there some answers or sorry some questions that they can ask that have really helped weed out the people who know their video marketing from the people who have just added it to a a menu of different things that they say they can do yeah totally so you know there are many 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 countless number of video production companies and videographers and very very talented ones at, at that around so there's there's lots of people to choose from if people are just wanting, literally just wanting video content, then they're fine using a videographer, they're fine using a video production company. If they're wanting something that's going to potentially help them move the needle on their business, that's going to include some kind of strategy and measurement, then they want a video marketing agency. And what I would suggest is to ask about talking about a strategy. So what kind of strategy do you see working in my particular context? Yeah, you can take a look at people's work, I I suppose, but that's almost secondary to how are we going to be measuring the success of these videos? And what are we going to do if they're not hitting, uh, if they're not performing? Because ultimately, any business, whether you're a startup or a very very big business that's been going for, 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 for a long time, it's an investment that you're making, and that investment has to be looked after. So as you would 
when you're investing in anything, you want to know how you're measuring it and what are we going to do if what we've said we want to happen isn't isn't happening. Yeah, I love that advice. I think um, far too many companies brief out some form of video creative and they get something that comes back that's absolutely beautiful and stunning and means zero to the business and will drive no difference to what they're actually going to achieve. Yeah, the ad looks great. It's artistically flawless, Mm. but it hasn't actually driven any more revenue. So I think that's fantastic advice. And also, uh, sorry, just to to jump in, because I know that, and it's going back to view count again, view count and ego are really, really closely related. (laughs) I know I fall for that all the time. I look at, I look at the view stats and I can't, it's something baked into us. We just have to see how many people have viewed it. I know. I mean, unless let's get it straight. I mean, unless the view count is zero, then it's important because you've got, (laughs) you're not doing something right and you need to do some more promotion. You know, so the reason I bring this up is because we've had clients that have said, okay, so we've had this production company that said that their, their, their videos have had millions of views collectively over the last couple of years. And that sounds really, really impressive. It's like, oh, wow, we're going to get views, we're going to get eyeballs. And it's not about the number of views, it's about the right people watching your content for the right reasons, and then doing something that you want them to do after. So it's, it's, it's you know, which is a more strategic, thoughtful approach. You can have a view on YouTube is 30 seconds, roughly. I think a view on Facebook is about three seconds, or at least it used to be. So for, you know, I could literally take my mobile phone, record 30 seconds of me going blah, 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 um, which is what I do kind of like anyway, (laughs) Um, upload it to YouTube, put, you know, perhaps 50 pounds behind it to boost the post. And I could get a few thousand views on that overnight. But, it's just going to be views that are going to last for three seconds. So what value is there? No matter what the content, what value are those views adding? And when they're so, so you know, insignificant, they're watching such a small portion of the video, it really, really, really isn't, doesn't mean anything. And what I'd encourage people to do is, is ask people, okay, so what difference has your, is your video content made to your clients? How have you measured that in the past? Has there been an increase in conversions that you can talk to me about? Has there been an increase in, uh, in inquiries that you can talk to me about? On average, how much of your video content are people watching? So what percentage of your videos are people watching? That's, they're the really meaty questions, which I bet 80% of the people that are asked won't know the answers to, unfortunately, because we're still at quite an early time in video marketing. They're the answers that people should know. Yeah, and it's, it, you're entirely right. You know, it's for some for some businesses, particularly if you're business to business and you might have a high value of a customer, it only takes one customer to properly engage with your video content and it can cover itself. And it can be hard to quantify, but for me, the magic moment is always when someone, you're speaking to someone, you're in sort of a, a new business meeting or you think something might be going to happen and then they quote you back to yourself because they've watched a video that you've done. And then you realize at that moment, it's like, Oh, I'm going to win this. Like this is, we've definitely got a good relationship because whether they're attracted by the video or not, the reality is if they've watched a half hour episode of you jabbering on, on, on YouTube and, and they've sort of in, listened to the entire episode and it's like you're half an hour into your pitch already. So, and that's, right. that's the value of that kind of content is that people can 
absorb it, get to know you, build a relationship, a bond well before you actually sit down and talk about mm-hmm. doing business. So, yeah, I, you know, it's, I like to think, I think like that. I don't watch the views, but I've got to say, I still get a little egotistical tickle when I see sort of something that gets in the tens of thousands and go, yes, but no, great advice. So conscious of time and, and it's gone really quickly because I've just, I was looking, I had so many more questions I wanted to ask you. I think what am I, I think as a last question, I want to ask you, is there something that you're all thinking at the moment, something that you believe that you find almost nobody else agrees with you at the moment? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. And the, the first one is just going back to what we said about view count uh, and people placing too much emphasis on that. And when I say your view count isn't, uh, isn't important, you know, I do get some strange looks and, you know, sh- shakes of the head. But, that, but that's fine. Because on the surface of it, it does make it does make sense on the surface of it. But when you scratch beneath the surface and look at things in detail, then that that sort of falls apart. And I think I think the other thing is when people again get too tactical too quickly. So we will have so we will have potential customers come to us and say that they've got ideas for this video, this video, and this video. And we talk to them about it. And what we do, we find out there's no st- coherent strategy pinning those ideas together. So even if all those videos worked, there would be no discernible like positive impact on the business. Um, so so these, these are clients that come to you with almost too fully formed idea about how they want to tactically deliver their video marketing campaign when actually they're much better off coming to you with a strategy and, a, and, a, or, and a, an objective and then leaving you to work out exactly how to execute that. Exactly. We, you know, we even get desired runtime. So this video needs to be three minutes, uh, which, is just, which is crazy when you think about it because it just needs to be as long as it needs to be you know you you tell the story and then you and then you stop so yeah i i i always push back when we're talking tactically too early what we need to do is go to the impact that you want the video content to make and start start from there so impact or goal strategy and then you can we can start talking about tactics. Fantastic advice. I must say, I, I'm hearing you explain these things and I'm in one part of my brain, I'm going, this is exactly right. And the other part of my brain's going, you don't do that at all, Jared. You you run straight for the tactics as well. <laughs> I think I might be a, a horrendous client. But fantastic. Like, thank you so much. And I and I, I'm, I am, again, I'm looking at this list of questions that I've got and thinking, I didn't even get to ask any of those questions. So I'm definitely going to hit you up to come back on again. I think I'd love to delve into the whole storytelling stuff because that was a really interesting tangent we took there. So I'm keen to do that. Awesome. I'd love to, yeah. But for people that are listening and they sort of went, yes, I like what Amir had to say. I'd like to know more. What's the best way they could either get in contact with you or find more of your words of wisdoms or videos of wisdoms that you might have? Yeah, right. So I am on... Twitter, albeit I'm in a space or I'm in a little patch of time where I'm not being overly active on there. But if anyone's got a question for me, I, I, I always respond. And my handle is at apricot underscore Amir, which is A-M-I-R. And it's apricot like the fruit. And if people want to check out our website, it's just www.apricotvideomarketing.com. And 
if they send an email, it'll go to the studio, which will get forwarded to uh, to me. And again, I'm happy to answer any questions that people might have if they want me to expand on anything or explain anything uh, in a more clear way. Then that's that's absolutely Fantastic. fine. And yeah, hopefully when we when we post the episode, I always post it first to LinkedIn. So if you've got questions, jump onto LinkedIn because I think as we said right at the start there, the engagement's way more important when it comes to marketing. So you know, we're keen to get the engagement sure. on, on social media as much as anybody. So Amir, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know it's my evening, your morning, and that's the wonders of the internet. We're not in the same place, but we can be virtually. So <laughs> thank you for your time, your wisdom, and right. I look forward to speaking right. to you again some point later on this year. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.